I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Today's scripture comes to us from Mark 9, 38 through 50. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where uh, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today's gospel reading has some stark alternatives, doesn't it? Jesus says, make a choice. Choose this day where you will be. It is better to mutilate yourself, to cut off your arm, or to pluck out your eye than to end up in hell. Why does Jesus speak these words? So there's a bit of an inside joke in the church that there are Sundays in the church that are student preacher Sundays. Those are like your Sunday after Christmas and your Sunday after Easter and your Labor Day weekends and and those kinds. It would be the Sunday where I invite Carly 
to preach, or the Sundays I, get, I would give Alyssa if she was still here to preach. Um, Sundays I bring in the guest preacher. You can, you, I've given the secret away. Give the secret away. Well, so one time at, this, at a church I was at um, a few years ago, uh, gosh, I've been with you seven years, so that was longer than that. Um, it was Student Preacher Sunday, and they invited in um, one of the seminary students at the church. And Jesus, in the text for the day, was in a very similar mood as Jesus is in this text today. Jesus says, you've heard it said, you, you shouldn't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you've looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. That was the text for the day. If the eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. That's what it said. If your hand causes you to sin, pluck it off. And I will never forget how that student preacher that day began his sermon. He said, I stand before you as a one-eyed, one-handed preacher. Why does Jesus talk like this? Scholars reassure us that Jesus often spoke in hyperbole, exaggerated overstatement, right, to grab our attention. Rabbis often spoke in hyperbole. Jesus speaks in hyperbole. Jesus says it is better to go into the kingdom of God mangled, with an eye, without an eye, without an arm, than to have your whole body cast into the fires of hell. A whole healthy body is good. But Jesus says even this is an asset worth sacrificing in the tug between the kingdom of God and hell. Now, of course, we don't really talk about hell much around here. Y'all don't want me to. I can guarantee that. Hell is not one of the more uplifting biblical themes we could talk about here. In today's gospel, Jesus undeniably gives us hell, though. Except he doesn't really call it hell. In this text, it's... Gehenna, the Aramaic place name. Gehenna is actually a place, if you didn't know that. Gehenna is a place that's just outside the walls of Jerusalem. This isn't Dante's Inferno. He's talking about Gehenna. It's a place in the Hinnom Valley, south of Jerusalem, just outside its walls. And centuries before Jesus, Gehenna had been a place of pagan idolatry and human sacrifices happened there. Maybe that's how it got its bad name. And maybe that's why by the time of Jesus, Gehenna had, had become for Jerusalem the town dump. Rubbish and bones and decaying bodies and smoldering fires fill this desolate valley called Gehenna. I honestly can't imagine <laughs> that in Jesus' day there would be all that much rubbish to throw away before plastic bags and old tires. What was at this dump? 
If, if Gehenna was a detestable and a rotten place in Jesus's day, I'm sure it would pale in comparison to the Lorton dump today. Each year, each of us produces something like two tons of rubbish. Years ago now, Vance Packard wrote a book called The Waste Makers, in which he noted that we are a throwaway society, a society that not only produces and consumes, but because of that also wastes. We cast off our, our economy is this vast waste-producing mechanism, right? Anyone who has taken a trip to Virginia Beach, which is my hometown, might have visited what we call affectionately now Mount Trashmore. It's exactly, that actually is the name. It's a landfill that is now a park and people fly their kites on it and eat their picnics on grass-covered trash. But when I was a kid before it was a park, I remember going with my dad to drop off rubbish. And it was, it was always amazing to me the kinds of stuff that people would throw away. We delight in the discoveries this perfectly good bicycle, except it needs a chain and two tires and some set of handlebars. But that was no match for my dad. My dad could fix anything. And a stack of vinyl records someone had just thoughtlessly thrown away. We did not have a record player, but who cares? <laughs> and a crate of mayonnaise, hardly used. And, and later I learned in my undergrad anthropology classes that the most important thing in an archaeological dig is finding broken pottery. Have you ever heard this? Archaeologists use these potsherds to date the various levels of a city's refuse. What will future archaeologists poking around in our garbage think of us? I don't know if you've ever been to a dump or a landfill, perhaps even the site repulses you. We desperately attempt to keep our piles of rubbish out on the edge of town. You notice that? Far from view, not in our backyard. However, there is something fascinating to me about a dump because here is the end of the line. Here is where everything finally ends, all objects of our affection, all household goods that are cast off. Everything ends here in Gehenna, everything that, that has lost a shred of dignity or beauty or usefulness, everything ends in the garbage, Gehenna. At the town dump, one might find something worth saving occasionally, <laughs> But not often, because things at the dump, after they're so mangled and broken that there's no longer any shred of dignity and beauty about them, that's why we cast them off. And Jesus says, you've got to take care. You've got to make your choices wisely. Choose this day where you are headed 
better to let go of some aspect of body or soul than to have both body and soul thrown out to the garbage dump of eternity. Your life is precious, Jesus says. Don't let your life be discarded on the trash heap. God doesn't make garbage. People make garbage. And God made you. Back home in Hampton Roads, on the other side of the tunnel from Virginia Beach and its beautiful dumps, there is another city called Portsmouth, Virginia. And while there are some new and neat, here gentrified places in Portsmouth, much of the city is made up of old and grand Victorian homes where now the windows are boarded up and the doors are boarded up and there are rotting cornices and trashy overgrown yards. This has had once been a neighborhood where people had life. How can we do this to our cities? And what of the people who are forced by economic necessity to live in such ugliness? It just seems like this society has a way of producing Gehenna. I remember visiting a church member who had been committed to a psychiatric hospital and I I found her after walking down sterile but foul-smelling corridors where depending on what, what stretch of the hallway I was in, sometimes the fluorescent lights were burnt out as I passed through locked doors into lock, more locked doors and into space after space of frightening sounds. I finally found her sitting in a room with one steel bed and one steel chair. And of course, I say, how are you today? And she responds, I've been dumped here. This is where it ends. She had become refuse. Yes, the hospital was, was located in the eastern part of the capital city, but its address was Gehenna. And I've been to shoddy nursing homes and in places for those with special needs and in centers for chronically addicted. <laughs> I've been in the DC jail And they all had, all of those centers had euphemistic names like Northside Care and Oak Hill Homes. We all name these things the same. But in in light of today's scripture, they were neither a home or a place of care. They were Gehenna. Gehenna is any hellish place where human beings are discarded, left to rot, and treated as refuse. And Jesus says, no child of God's good creation is meant for Gehenna. Jesus stares our hellish possibilities in the face and rebukes them, and he speaks words that sound harsh. But let's be honest, life has got its grim, hellish places. And right there, Jesus plants his flag and and sounds his call. If you, 
then you better. Remember that phrase in, in the ancient Apostles' Creed? That phrase that is often, I don't know if you know this, we didn't move, remove it here, because we're the good Methodists, but is often <laughs> removed by Methodist churches from the creed. It you know, offends their Methodist sensibilities. Where we say that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, and then the phrase, he descended into hell. He went to Gehenna. Jesus descended into hell, and the creed is referring to the ancient Christian belief that in those three days between Jesus' death and resurrection that he descended to hell. But when, when you think about it, Jesus was always entering into those places we avoid. Those places out in the edge of town, those places that we put far out of view so we don't have to see them and the people trapped in them. The shoddy nursing homes, the pitifully ill-equipped places for those who are suffering. Those human warehouses for, for those who can't cope. The boarded up neighborhoods, the town dump, Gehenna. These past few weeks, we have been in the lectionary. I don't know if you knew that. Those of you who like lectionary, you can be happy because you asked me to do it sometimes. So I did it. Um, been in the lectionary in the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, we have seen Jesus getting into some risky business. Confronting demons and touching the untouchable and inviting the uninvitable and healing and driving out all that dehumanizes and degrades. And when you think about it, he spent most of his earthly life with those who had just been dumped. That's where he was. Once upon a time, there was a man who wasted his life, wasted his God-given talents, and he abused himself and he abused others. And when he died relatively early, body and soul, mind broken, he woke to his horror trapped in the misery of hell. Let me out, let me out, he pleaded. Let me out, he cried, night and day, banging against the locked gates. Let me out. And then he became aware that there was, on the other side, outside the gate, there was a voice. Outside the door to Gehenna, he heard a banging against the gate. The voice saying, let me in. Let me in. It was the voice of Jesus. Jesus not only warns against, but actively struggles to save us from Gehenna. And to do this, Jesus urges with strong language and hyperbole and uses this language to seek out the hell in us. Those of us attempting to follow Jesus are not permitted 
resignation, saying, well, this is the end of the line. Not to be bound by Gehenna, saying, let me out, but to press all the way up against it, saying, let me in. So we must be faithful to the treasure that God entrusts us with in our lives. Our talents, our responsibilities, a hand, an eye, a foot. It's meant as this gift to be extended, expended for glorious work. And yet, if it's corrupted by, by our, our junk, by our dump, better cast it off. And the church is made up of people who treasure their lives determined to not let our lives slide into nothingness and despair. The church is to be the kind of place that keeps people from Gehenna, that keeps attempting to salvage, to rescue people, to preach to people that they are precious and beautiful and not, in fact, destined for the ash heap of the world. And as followers of Jesus, we ought to be instruments in bringing people back from hell. <clears throat> One of the best things that the church does is take the refuse of this world and build on it, making something beautiful out of that which the world has discarded as beyond redemption. Because no one is beyond God's ability to redeem and that includes you. There are things in your life, good things that you might ought to consider discarding, lest they be for you your destruction. And so I have two commissions for you today. First, you're Jesus. Choose this day who you will serve. Decide zealously to guard the life that God has graciously given to you. What do you need to discard in order to salvage the best self that God has given you? And second, is there somebody that God is leading you to tell this to? Is there some great Gehenna you need to enter to bring out and redeem with Jesus the lost? Later, after Jesus' teaching, we hear today this harsh teaching. Jesus himself would reach the end of the line. He would be put up on a cross at a place called Calvary. And if you stand, even today at Calvary, if you get a high enough view, which Jesus surely had, you can see all the way to Gehenna. If you want to meet Jesus, the first place to look for him is hell. Would you pray with me? God, we hear your two commissions today. First, to take a look at our life. What are we 
What are we calling garbage that is in fact beautiful? And what do we think is beautiful that it's time we send to the dump? There are possibly people here today who feel like they are stuck or meant for Gehenna, that they are at the end of their life, at the end of their rope, that they've been dumped on or dumped out. Jesus be with them today. And there are possibly people here who are holding on to trash, trying to write a story of beauty for something that they are meant to let go. Be with them today, Jesus. And God, we bring to mind all those we know and love and those we don't know, but pass by as if their dump is on the outskirts of our lives, pressed to the places we don't see. We bring to mind those people who know well Gehenna, who are in their own place of Gehenna. Jesus, make us your redeemers who help call them out. And Jesus, we know we are only able to do that because of your son, Jesus, who even at his worst moment of suffering kept his eye on Gehenna and who teaches us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Table.